Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, you guys. It's me, Kara, the host of Everyone's Business But Mine, with me, Kara Berry. (laughs) Um, I am back. It's a Black Friday special because it's Friday and I'm black. I hope all of you guys had the best Thanksgiving ever, or if you don't celebrate it, happy Thursday. But here you go. Um, It is a quick recap of the last two episodes of 90 Day Fiance. I will be back next week with our regularly scheduled bullshit. And until then, bye. don't know how much I've missed talking about 90 Day Fiance. It's been two episodes, so I think I just got to get straight into it to cover everybody. Um, first, I think is easy. We can knock these ones right out. Two episodes ago, Emily and Sasha had a baby. Um, remember, they had the baby in Russia. The conditions of Russian hospitals we saw um, with Olga and, oh my gosh, I cannot remember the name of her boyfriend, but he was a monster. Um I mean, I think anybody who lives in America is shocked at what a hospital in, in Russia looks like. They had, like, a plastic chair for Sasha to sit in. Um, typically, they don't have the men come to uh, the birth. Um, and to the point where, like, Sasha said he didn't even know where he was, where his kids were being born, when his kids were born. He said, he was like, oh, I think I was working. Like, he genuinely didn't know. I mean, I don't think that's an excuse for not knowing. (laughs) I mean, I think that's maybe, like, a foreshadowing as to what we can expect from Sasha. But, yeah, very much detached. I mean, 
I cannot imagine giving birth in a country, regardless of the country, where you don't speak the language, where you're in such a vulnerable position, and you're having to rely on somebody else who's like, you taught them English, and while Sasha's English seems very good, I mean, there are medical terms and things that, like, I have to imagine he probably isn't, like, super... um you know, like, not literate, but like, you know, super familiar with, and that can be very difficult. And when you're like, about to bust it open Tatiana and deliver a baby, I mean, I I can't even imagine. But congrats to baby, (laughs) baby Dave. (laughs) Um, I think his name is David. But um, Sasha was like, Oh, Dave, nice to see you. Like, he just was like one of his bros that he was meeting at the bar and not a child that was just born. I, it's very jarring to hear somebody call an infant Dave, I have to admit. But, you know, mazel to you guys. <laughs> um, next, I think we'll get to Mike and Natalie. Now, they were a new couple as of two episodes ago. Um, Mike is this tall drink of water. He's 6'7". He lives in a town, tiny little town called Squim Washington. He met Natalie <clears throat> because his friend met a Ukrainian woman and married her. They had a baby and Mike was named the godfather and Natalie was named the godmother. So they ended up meeting and really hitting it off. They um, were both in the middle of a divorce or like just after a divorce. So they got to talking, really liked each other. He came and visited her, blah, blah, blah. They went to Paris one day and got engaged. Great for them. Um, Mike owns a farm. He is a manager of a construction company, but he also owns his family farm. He bought it from them. Um, so he is in a little bit of debt and also adding to the fact that, like, you know, you have to pay. Um, I think it's about $10,000 that you have to pay all put together to get a person to come to America on the K-1 visa. So he is in debt. He's amassed some credit card debt. And yeah, with the ownership of the farm, um, which I don't think really produces money, um, doesn't really seem like there was much going on except for one Bojangles, (laughs) who is um, Mike's uncle, I believe. Bojangles is, I mean, he looks exactly what you would think a man named Bojangles would look like. He is, um, you know, he's got a casual relationship with teeth. They seem to be coming and going at an alarming pace. But you know what? Bojangles seems like one of the happiest people in the world. He is one of those people who's like, I don't have much. They asked me to come live in this shed and hang out and work on the farm, and I'm happy to do it. He is the man who, like, just blooms wherever he's planted, you know? And I think we can all be a little bit more like Bojangles, you know? Let's think about that. Um, So, yeah, they are now days away. I believe they're, like, two weeks out from Natalie coming to... America and starting the process to get married and all of that. And Mike calls her and we find out that she actually, her visa has not been denied, but it has been delayed and it could take up to six months, which is of course quite an issue. Mike paid for the flight and you know, they're ready to start their lives together. And for all this to come up is a probably very disappointing. Natalie bats her baby blue eyes and, 
asks Mike to come to the Ukraine, not the Ukraine, just Ukraine. You guys were supposed to just be saying Ukraine. I didn't know that. I'm admitting my ignorance and we're moving on. Okay. So Natalie asks him to come to Ukraine and we get a lot of, listen, it does seem like Mike and Natalie have a lot of chemistry, but it seems like the big issue with them is that Natalie is desperate for a baby. She is 35. She's divorced. And the first thing she says, well, one of the first things she hears is, um, you know, my mom said, you know, she's very sad about me leaving, but the one thing that is going to make her feel better is that I told her we were going to have a baby right away, to which Mike's face falls, and this is a big issue. Once again, we find out that a man, an American man, has not been honest about his finances with the lady that he's going to bring to the country. So rather than Mike saying, Mike tells us that he wants to have children, that this is the life that he wants. He wants to have a family. He wants little, you know, seven foot tall children running around in the field with Bojangles. And, but when she brings it up, Mike says that because he's so in debt, he really wants to take it slow on having a child until he gets more financially stable. Totally reasonable. However, what he tells her is basically like, well, I don't know if we should have kids. Like, oh, we got to talk about that and take it day by day. Like, okay, well, which one is it? Is it the finances or do you want to have children? Because you have to be honest. Like, I don't understand. And he even goes on to say, like, oh, if, um, you know, like, once she gets here, I'm going to have to be honest with her and we'll just see how it goes. Ugh. I don't understand how people can live so footloose and fancy free. I need answers and I need them before I fly thousands of miles and move my ass to a different country. I don't think that's asking too much, but what do I know? Um, so a week later, we're in the next episode. We find out that um, Mike has flown to Ukraine despite being in debt and they meet Natalie. It's been six months since they, since they've been together Natalie lives with her mother. Her mother is very excited. She really loves Mike. And Natalie explains that, like, part of the reason why her last marriage failed was because her mom was not trusting of the husband, didn't like him. They had a contentious relationship, and she just couldn't make it work. So she's really happy that um, her mom likes Mike. And she, her mom even says, like, oh, he's just so great, blah, blah, blah. They can't really speak to each other because she doesn't speak English and he doesn't speak Ukrainian, but she seems to really have a great feeling about him. Um, so they come to the apartment where Natalie and her mom live. And, um, that was pretty much the end of the thing because Mike was just like going on about how he wanted to have sex with Natalie and, um, how she was like a tigress. And I understand that men like to often compare women to cats because they're like slinky and sexy, I guess. But his um, his examples were that she has a tail for balance and that she has claws to tiptoe around on. Now, either Mike has no game whatsoever or 
Natalie actually has a tail and is in desperate need of a pedicure. I hope we do. I hope we find out. I do. I really do. Next, we have a woman and a man who are quickly rising up the ranks as my most annoying. Not so much the man as the woman, but Anna and Marcel. (sighs) You guys. Anna needs help. Why is nobody helping Anna? Why is nobody sitting down grown-ass 38-year-old Anna and telling her to get some self-esteem? I cannot believe what I'm watching. Two episodes ago, we find out that Anna... Okay, Anna... To be very clear, Anna and Marcel are very much like Paul and Karini of past episodes in which they basically... Most of their communication is done through a translator app on the phone. So, in this scene, we see them talking to each other, and by that I mean to Anna's iPhone. And Anna asks how long Marcel plans on wait waiting to tell his parents about her kids. Now, if you guys remember, Marcel revealed to Anna's, one of Anna's children and her mother that his parents have no idea about her kids. Now, I did find out that this is a Turkish custom and not a Muslim thing that he basically, it's like frowned upon for her to have children to the point where like, he could basically end up being ousted from the family because it's just like he kind of intimated that it was like like a hierarchy situation and that they're such a family that like it just doesn't look right for him to be with a woman who's had children before but you know it also doesn't look right to be a single 30-year-old 38-year-old dude who is like in beekeeping Facebook groups, you know, like I I just don't feel like Marcel's bringing a whole lot to the table and maybe we should, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Um, so yeah, he says he plans on waiting 10 years to tell his children, to tell his parents. And that his, the logic behind that is that he basically estimates that his parents will be on their deathbed and that when people are on their deathbed, that's the time to tell all of the secrets and that they will just forgive you and that they just have to accept it. Now, is this the proper logic of a 38 year old man? Yeah. Didn't think so. (sighs) Okay. So (sighs) Anna goes on to say in a talking head, Well, I think the boys know that something's up because Gino was at dinner with us when Marcel told my mom that he was keeping the boys a secret. Yeah, do you think that that might be the reason why? Because he literally sat 10 inches from him, from Marcel, while he said it? Do you think he heard it? Gino's like 12. He's not stupid. (laughs) You think they might be onto something? Good. (sighs) Okay, okay. So... Then they go to a scene where the boys are all sitting around. So it's the whole family, Anna, Marcel, and the boys. And Anna makes Marcel tell them, tell the boys that that his whole situation without, about not telling his family. Now bear in mind, he obviously does not speak much English, certainly not to be, not enough to be like, 
you know, going into the complexities of his family dynamics to these children and to make him like, you're the one who brought this man into your home. You're the one who brought this man into their home. So if anybody needs to be doing some explaining, Lucy, I think it might be you. Okay. I I mean, it's unbelievable. (laughs) I, she, she makes me so upset, you guys. <laughs> um, so the boys kind of rightfully have good questions, hard questions. Like, are you going to leave us? And Anna was like, why would you ever think that the whole reason that Marcel's here is because I told him that you were part of the deal and that, like, I couldn't leave you guys. He's like, but it kind of seems like you want to and like there's not really much holding you back and I can't blame him blame any of the boys for feeling that way because they're being lied to and deceived by their own mother and to have this man like be in their home it's just freaking weird I would I can't imagine I cannot imagine anyway in the next episode Anna and Marcel, it's now been a couple weeks, and Anna finally takes Marcel beekeeping, the only thing that they seem to have in common, other than being liars. Anna starts laughing in an interview, like, well, things haven't really been going so well. Marcel's not really having fun, so (laughs) I guess I should take him to do something. Yeah, you think? You witch? (laughs) It's been weeks now, and you guys haven't been beekeeping? (laughs) every week I say this, but I cannot believe the sentences that come out of my mouth. I, for her to laugh about like him not having fun when you put him in awkward situation every 15 minutes, it's like unbelievable to me. And for you to just like laugh, Oh God, I really just, I need to settle down. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, they go beekeeping. Anna is having the time of her life. You know, Marcel says that he, we get, you know, a little bit of his backstory that he started beekeeping when he was seven or eight. Now, the Chiron says that he's 38. I think if we looked at a picture, I would feel confident in saying that Marcel has been beekeeping for at least 50 years, but I'm just going to let him keep that. Much like the rest of Anna's life, it turns out that she's not very thorough in her beekeeping. We see Marcel kind of cleaning up the area surrounding it, you know, scraping the honey combs off of like the, I don't, I don't fucking know, off of these things that like they pull out, you know, the bees make the honey and then the honey combs, blah, blah, blah. So you have to scrape those off and she, she doesn't do them to the shock of nobody. Anna only puts in about 30% of the effort and then just expects everything to be okay. (sighs) Anyway, truly Anna is so happy. She thinks it's very sexy to watch Marcel in a full body suit with a netting over his face. So you can't see him. She is so excited. I have not seen somebody so excited on TLC since like, any of the Duggars on their wedding day. It's like a true, it's an unsettling, it's an unsettling horniness that I, I wish to not see on my screen again. Um, at one point, 
Anna kisses Marcel on the face and <laughs> his reaction was um, horror, horror, confusion as to why she would dare give him a peck on the lips. Um, yeah, he seemed really not into it and I'm very confused about that. She, I mean, it was one of the most awkward kisses that I've ever seen because she's like, what? You don't like it? He's like, it's okay. <laughs> but you could tell it very much wasn't. Um, the last scene that we have with them, they have, they go to like a couple's wedding shower. Anna's friend, Viv- Vivi, um, is holding one for them. And we can see since Anna's really having a tough time with Marcel. The translating is getting weary. She claims that she will tell him things and that he'll just say, he'll seem to indicate that he knows what she's talking about. And when they go to do something, he's all surprised that it's happening. And she's just frustrated that he pretends to know things that he doesn't. Again, I don't know why she didn't consider any of this (laughs) when she brought him over to this country, but Anna makes a lot of decisions that I think are poor and confusing and it does not seem to be ending. I, I feel bad for Marcel because she's openly talking shit about him. And I feel like, you know, it takes two to tango you guys like as frustrating as it is for you to not know what he's saying and for him to not be able to speak to you, it's got to be a hundred times worse for him to be in a country where he can't talk to anybody. And she's telling him before they, on the way to the party, like you can't be on your phone. Like you have to talk. You have to speak as much English as you can. Like, why do you think he's on his phone? Because he spends 23 hours of the day, like not knowing what anybody's talking about and they're not making any effort other than to like do that ugly American thing of like speaking louder and more slowly. <laughs> like, like that somehow turns into Turkish. I feel really bad for Marcel because honestly, like when you watch his interviews, it's, I don't think it's just a language barrier. You guys, like I think Marcel just, I think he's, like, one of the slower bees in the colony, if you feel me. So, I don't know. But that being said, he's not nearly as dumb as Anna. So, and he doesn't have children to ruin. So, there's that. (laughs) Good luck to you guys. Now, another couple I think might be authentic is Michael and Juliana, unfortunately. So, earlier this season, there was, like, a maybe issue with her visa because she had a lot of stamps on her passport, and there were questions about whether or not she was, like, a high-priced escort or something, but she ends up getting her visa, and a few days later, goes to America. Michael picks her up in what I think is a decidedly un-Michael-like fashion, but it is, like you know, the white chariot of 2007, Jersey Shore's finest, a white stretch Hummer limo. I didn't even know they still had those in production. I thought we, as a society, decided that those were like gross. I, you know, if if we can't have straws anymore, then like we shouldn't be allowed to have Hummers, right? I mean, there has to be a line, you guys. Anyway, He gets her some champagne that was from 1996, the year that she was born. 
feels feels great to say that and it was not creepy at all he presents her with this hideous necklace that he had designed for her earlier and like the first episode which was a combination of stones that were to represent the american flag so red white and blue so picture this close your eyes a, a gold necklace yellow gold necklace with um, a red, white, and blue stones, and then for America, and then green, and like an amber, like a gold stone to represent Brazil. <clears throat> Ladies, does that sound like something that we want? Because <laughs> it does not to me. It sounds like it's like the Olympics. Are those all the colors for the Olympics? I guess blue is not in it, but yeah, it, it was hideous. And it was a $4,000 hideous mistake. Michael also tells us that she, Juliana, doesn't even like uh, jewelry. That she's not really a big jewelry girl. So good on you for spending that much money on the ugliest thing I've ever seen that she didn't even want to begin with. <clears throat> so they get to Connecticut where Michael lives. And he lets out another douchey thing by saying, oh, you know how you know you're in... Um, Greenwich there's a Bentley and he points outside and she like rolls her eyes I mean I cannot believe imagine the things that Michael has said to her off camera because so far we've seen him tell her that without him she's a poor Brazilian girl and points out a Bentley and yeah I mean just god he also offers well by offers I mean he practically tries to convince her to have um, what he calls to do like a porn limo porno Michael nobody nobody wants Ugh, gross anyway um, the next season next episode rather Juliana and <clears throat> Max the Michael's kids are having a great time this is like a few days later into Juliana being in America Juliana does Cece's hair and makeup and they just have a really great time and this is a time where we really get to know Sarah who was Michael's ex-wife and mother of Max and Cece she comes over and basically she Michael says that like she has a bullshit detector that she does not she cuts right to it if she sees anything untoward happening then she's gonna call it out she's like a you know she calls it as she sees it and that very much comes through when we meet her she you know she mentions like you know that maybe to a lot of women that having a woman like Juliana who she refers to as and she is beautiful and tall and you know just like everything that you would fear in your next partner's partner, your ex-partner's partner. Um, yeah. So she said, you know, mostly she's like, I, I can see how people would think that I would be intimidated by that. She's like, but I do not compete and I don't have the time. <laughs> and I believed it. I loved it. And she's a beautiful woman herself. Michael is truly a lucky guy. Like, I don't know how he's getting, well, I guess we know how he's getting them, but Anyway, um, you know, they kind of, the show kind of sets it up to maybe be like this contentious thing where like, you know, Juliana's so nervous about meeting Sarah and Sarah's just like, obviously no, non, no, not, ugh, no nonsense type of woman, but she was, I thought very, you know, very chill about the situation. She basically was just like, 
you know, Max and Cece have great parents. They have a great mom. They have a great dad. And I don't believe that the role of a step parent is to parent. So as long as you are not parenting my children, we're all good. And like, <clears throat> she and Michael seem to have a really good relationship. And yeah, it seems pretty cool. I mean, I think as long as Juliana is, um, yeah, just keeps her side of the street clean. I think everything will be fine. She, Juliana also said like that in Brazil, that this is like a very uncommon situation that when people divorce, they never really speak again, even if there are children involved. And so this is a situation that she wouldn't really even have reference for. But I think, I mean, the girl's like seven. I mean, she's like 21, 22. She's five minutes old. I think as long as she just listens, she'll figure it out. I mean, the lady, I don't think she's trying to be anybody's mother at this point anyway. So I don't think it's going to be that hard. Um, and honestly, like, I don't even think those kids need to be parented by their own parents. Not that they're bad parents. I just think, like, I almost want Max and Cece to parent me. Like, they're so mature. <laughs> And and they have it so together. I'm like, gosh, do I need to be hitting y'all up for advice? I don't. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com No. Um, the next couple we have is our newest couple, which are Blake, who is a 29 year old. I think he's like an audio engineer. He lives in LA and his girlfriend, Jasmine, who is Finnish. Um, he is a guy who admits to being naive. He got married when he was 19 and divorced when he was 23. He said that they were just like on the different paths in terms of their, drive and he was really focused on being in the music industry and making that happen and that is long hours and it just didn't end up working out for them um so years later his friend tells him to go on to tinder he meets this girl and he thinks that she's a catfish because she's very much like an instagram girl filters fillers Big ass that is probably not um, from genetics. Uh, you know, blonde hair. Oh, we, we all know the type. Fashion Nova, head to toe. Um, so he thought that she was catfishing her. and But it turns out that she actually is real. So he's not quite like Caesar from last season, but he's like a Caesar Jr. Um, <clears throat> so they he went to Finland. He met her. He's like, she looked exactly like her pictures were... But sorry, prior to her moving to prior to him visiting her in Finland, she had set her location to L.A. Um, so while she looked exactly 
how he thought she would, she did not live in LA. Um, so yeah, he went to Finland, they hit it off. And on the third time to Finland, his third trip, he proposed to her. Um, Blake still lives with his mom and stepdad. So that's going to be a bit of an issue. He says that they're pretty conservative and that he's like concerned that privacy might be an issue. Um, she, Jasmine, I think has never lived with anybody besides her parents. So, you know, that's a, a big adjustment for both of them. Um, here's, here's where things go awry. Um, so, Jazz, excuse me, Blake's mom is, you know, hesitant as most parents tend to be about Jasmine's intentions. And Blake even has a friend who is, you know, the, the same, she feels the same way. Just to like, be careful. You never know what these girls want for real, etc. So... Blake heads to the airport to pick up his lady and he makes a stop and we find out that Jasmine's sister, Janet, happens to live not only in LA, but about 10 minutes from Blake. They don't really have a relationship with one another, which we can see is very clear. Um, Janet is not really giving him much in terms of good conversation. You can tell that she thinks that he's like a dork and not good enough for her sister. But she's like, listen, I'm headed to New York this weekend and I needed a ride to the airport. So I'll just take your Uber <laughs> and we'll meet my sister. Um, so we also find out that the girls, both girls, Janet and Jasmine had entered in a green card lottery, but Janet was the only one who got her green card and Jasmine was left to stay in Finland. So dun, 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 side-eyeing that situation. Um, not really much happens. They, they, uh, meet, all meet at the airport and Jasmine heads off to New York while Janet and Blake head to a hotel for a couple days before they settle in at his mother's house. And basically Janet, or excuse me, Jasmine is just like, I am really tired. I want to take a shower. Blake is ready to go. And she's like, I want to go to bed. It's been a long flight. I'm, you know, I went from Europe to LA, which is an admittedly long flight and I just want to rest. And Blah, blah, blah. So I think they're really setting this up like she's trying to scam him. I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know if they're like pushing this narrative or not, but we'll see. I mean, honestly, Blake doesn't really seem all that cool. <laughs> and he does seem quite naive. So only time will tell. <sighs> Our first absolutely cursed couple. Well, maybe that's not true. But the ones who are truly, truly cursed, Annie and Robert. Annie is from the Dominican. Robert is a Dominican guy from Brooklyn, but living in Florida. <clears throat> so two episodes ago, he tells Annie that he's surprising her with a shopping trip. He had encouraged her to sell her clothes when she was in the Dominican, give her clothes to her sister so they can sell, you know, and make a little cash, and that he would replenish her wardrobe when he, when she came to America. <clears throat> so he tells her he's going to take her to the store, go shopping. And very quickly, it's um, determined that this is a used clothes store. So it's not quite like Salvation Army, but maybe it's like, a I don't know if you guys have Plato's Closet or um, 
I don't know, Buffalo Exchange, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so she is livid um, because, and, and Robert is like immediately turned off by that. But I think there was some contention over whether or not that was acceptable. And I think we all agree that like, if somebody tells you that they're going to take you out to buy clothes, I think we all assume that they're going to be new clothes. <laughs> like, and I, I, Annie like totally had a fit. She's like, what if a dead person, <clears throat> you know, just, and I, maybe this is like, I don't know. I mean, she said she was going to sell her clothes, but she seemed above buying clothes from other people. So I can't really say that it's a cultural thing, but yeah, she was very turned off. She's like, I only buy nice clothes. I cannot believe you would take me here. And Robert is like pissed. They leave. Um, they end up going to dinner that night anyway, because Bryson, um, was with a babysitter. So they wanted to have like a romantic day. Um, and he, he said he's frustrated um, because she was acting like she was, quote, all that. Again, we're back in, back in the 90s. Um, and Annie says exactly what I said last episode was that, like, he, Robert, promised her a lot of things that he is not now delivering on. And they go to dinner. <laughs> they go to a seafood restaurant. And she's just looking through the menu and was like, Oh, you know, like maybe this is some kind of food that we could have for our wedding. <sighs> what? We're not going to get seafood for our wedding. We're going to get a buffet. <laughs> then she suggests that maybe she would want to get married on the beach in Miami. Now, granted, they're already in Florida. So a trip to Miami is not really that big of a deal. He loses it. What is your deal with Miami? What's the big deal? I don't want to hear it. You know, he are you trying to move there? And she's like, well, maybe. And he was like, well, and, you know, he, he gets all up in arms. Like, it's like something about Miami is very triggering to Robert. And it was a very, very <laughs> weird thing. And he's like, I don't even want to eat. And she's like, I think you should apologize for taking me to this store, which I don't think was necessary, but I kind of get what she's saying. Like you put me in this bad situation. I don't know. Am I sounding like a brat when I say this? Cause like, I wouldn't want to be taken to a used clothes store either. Like, or at least give me a heads up and don't be like, Oh, I'm surprising you. And then, you know, you know, <laughs> um, so then he says, I'm very sorry that you're inconsiderate and a big ass crybaby. <laughs> so how about that? I could not believe, like, let a man talk to me like that. He'd be his last day on earth. Um, they go back to the house. Tensions are high. But then he shows her that he did manage to get her some new clothes. And he bought her some sexy lingerie that he had bought the first episode. And she gets so excited she goes and tries it on and she's like oh now i'm gonna do whatever you want and they close the door for sexy time so all that fighting that they spent doing all day was erased by some new panties okay um the next episode there still are tensions between them robert says that it's now Remember that I said this last episode and when I recap 90 Day Fiance that nobody says frustrating correctly. He says it's frustrating. 
frustrating. Like, do I not know how to spell it? Do I not know how to pronounce it? Like, you know, sometimes when like, it seems like you're crazy. You know, like people keep saying frustrating and and now I'm thinking that there's something wrong with me. Like maybe I've been taught wrong my whole life, but I don't know. Um, They go to the park to take Bryson and they are going to meet his grandparents. We find out that Bryson's mom is not really in the picture, but her parents are very much active in his life. We find out later that they see him like every other weekend. Um, His Bryson's grandparents are named Ben and Stephanie. They seem really like very nice people. Um, Stephanie's beautiful. They're, you know, they seem really young to be having a grandchild. (laughs) Like they seem, you know, mid forties max. Um, But yeah, so that, uh, that makes me ask questions about how old Bryson's mother is, especially in relation to, Roberts, but um, Annie is in yet another bad mood, and she is so jealous of Bryson's mother, even though she's not in the picture, that she is incredibly rude to her parents because she just doesn't feel like, oh, well, I shouldn't have a relationship with them. Like, we shouldn't have anything to do with each other. But it's like, if he's if they're in Bryson's life in a significant way and it seems like they are, then like, what do you have to have an attitude about? That's help for you. That's a two weekends off a week for you, girl. Be grateful. Um, so Ben has questions about the situation. Now keep, this is Bryson's grandfather. Ben has questions about the situation because we find out despite the fact that Robert and Annie have been talking for two years, this is the first time they've ever heard about Annie. This is the first time they'd, this is they're like, we're just finding out that you're engaged. So what's the deal? They're like, just finding out about the whole 90 day process. And Ben is really confused. And I think I would be too. He's like, I don't, he's like, we've never heard of this woman. And you've been talking to her for two years. I mean, I would, yeah, they're not technically your family, but I think, I would think at some point, in two years, you would mention that. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. So, they also mention, finally, that they have concerns. Ben mentions, Ben is my guy. Grandpa Ben mentions that, um, he's like, I have concerns about Annie being in this house with Bryson all of a sudden out of nowhere. Finally, finally says something (sighs) correct. Robert says it's not their business, which I guess technically it isn't, but I don't know. I think if there's a child involved, I think you got to speak up. Um, So then Stephanie takes Annie aside to talk and Annie's like rebuffing her all the way. She's being like the bare minimum of polite, but also showing that like, she's not trying to have this conversation. Um, she keeps saying how uncomfortable she is, like just asking basic questions. And then Stephanie, you know, goes on to say, you know, like I, you know, am, am Bryson's mother figure. And so I really want him to have somebody in his life. Um, you know, who I trust and who was really there for them. And she's like, and I also want to 
let you know that like I have been in the adult entertainment industry for 15 years. And Annie's like, well, what does that mean? She's like, well, I'm a porn star. And now this is where (laughs) Annie's like, okay, well, I finally found something a real, well, not a real reason, a real reason in her mind to be judgmental of Stephanie and to like make a big deal out of the situation. So, She's, like, horrified, but she, like, kind of keeps it together in order to, um, you know, continue on with the conversation. Now, as a side note, somebody in a Facebook group found Grandma Stephanie's um, Pornhub (laughs) bio. She goes by the name of Diamond Fox with, of course, three X's at the end. Um, So her bio is as follows. <laughs> I forget that my mom listens to this. Please cover your ears. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a sweet girl with platinum blonde hair and a hot body who would only want to help people. So she worked as an emergency medical technician. <laughs> now this stunning blonde had the physical power to give an instant pulse or even to even the most sedated patient. She probably cured more dudes in the ambulance just by leaning her fat tits over their faces to check their heartbeats. <laughs> this is Diamond Fox, who must have realized that she can help far more people all around the world on a porn set instead of in the back of an ambulance. <sighs> what a humanitarian. Diamond has since donned many doctors and nurses' uniforms, but we bet the only casualties she now experiences are limping pairs. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> are limping pairs of exhausted dicks and emptied scrotums after she's done giving the patients a fuck of a life. Okay. Diamond is a true man-eating cougar these days. She's got tits so big, they're like big game traps for hunting hot rods. Her lips alone can make even the most swollen dickhead disappear in shame when she puckers up. What? (laughs) Okay. This is insane. Okay, we're almost done. The things that she does with her twat and butt cunt are so filthy you need a shower just from reading the scene descriptions. Diamond is a true heavyweight in the industry, a leading fuck panther, a goddess among mortal sluts. She's done close to 200 movies and truly is getting hotter and more boner-inducing every year. She's a MILF masterpiece whose legendary status keeps growing like our boners every time we watch her in action. Now, this says that she was born in 1973. How could she possibly have a grandchild? 46? That's insane. I don't know. Um, So anyway, shout out to you, Stephanie slash Diamond Fox. You're... A goddess among mortal sluts, I guess. Um, so anyway, there the conversation just devolves. Stephanie ends up asking Annie at one point if she's using birth control or if she's having to plan children, which I thought was actually a pretty inappropriate question. Like, I don't know why you would ask a stranger that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, at, at that point, Annie's basically shutting it down. It's like, you're making me uncomfortable. I don't want to have this conversation. And Stephanie and, and Ben end up leaving. So they go to dinner again at the hangry bison and Annie confronts right Robert about um, some old pictures that he has on Facebook. They also had a conversation about like what Stephanie and Ben or what Stephanie and Annie talked about. And Robert was really, 
I thought very supportive of Annie and was like, you know, it's not appropriate for her to ask you about what sort of birth birth control you're using. And just like, I'll have a conversation with her about that and about how that's not okay. And it's not any of her business. Um, which was like the only time I've ever really liked Robert. But yeah, she starts confronting him because I guess she couldn't find that to complain about. So she's like, well, what about these pictures from years ago that you have on Facebook of all your ex-girlfriends? And this is a lame conversation, but it's also the conversation where we find out that Robert has not only one child and one baby mama, but four baby mamas and five children. Um, He says that he used to run the streets in Brooklyn and that basically now he's grown up and he thought that like going out and having a bunch of babies was like the thing to do, but like he's grown up since then. Um, So it was just very, it was a very stupid conversation, but we also find out that initially Robert had lied and said that he only had three children and two baby mamas. But then two weeks before the visa interview, he actually told her the truth about her, him having two other babies and another baby mama. So I, you know, I think my theory holds true about Robert not being honest and only being so when it's convenient for him. Um, so yeah, that was basically the end for them. I don't predict great things to come. I feel like Annie's probably going to go back to the Dominican. Hopefully her sister has some of her clothes left. Now last and absolutely least, because this woman is my mortal enemy, we have Tanya and my boo, Sinjin. They wake up in the capital of romance, Times Square, (laughs) and Tanya tells us in The Talking Head that Sinjin is too codependent because he... No, remember, her, like, stupid little friends are still there. And she thinks that... Sinjin's too codependent because he just wants to spend time with her and not with her dumb little minion friends. Okay. Um, She also says that she would pick them over him any day that they had been together for 14 years. The girls had been friends for 14 years. And she says, and they'll be together or they'll be friends 14 years after this, meaning after Sinjin and I break up. And I hope that's true, girl, because you guys' days are numbered. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So they go to dinner, and they ask what he wants to do for a living, and he was like, oh, I want to be a ball tender, a firefighter, I don't know. 
I want to be a bartender, a firefighter. I was like, I kind of want to go to LA and check out the acting thing, maybe do the opera. So like, Sinjin does have like a very footloose and fancy free vibe to him. But um, yeah, they're, the girls are horrified. And Tanya reveals she has a three-year deadline before she wants to have children. Sinfin claims that he's not really sure if he wants to have kids at all. So this is really a great start to their potential marriage. Um, at dinner, she asks about babies, and he's, like, hesitant, but I think reasonable about what it is that she actually wants, because she wants to live, like, this, like, hashtag van life and, like, cruise around with her babies and be this like hippie that travels all over the country and does travels all over the world with these kids. And he's like, where are we getting the finances for this? How is all this going to be possible? How are you going to like really take the time to like kid out this van and do all these things when you have children? And she's like, well, why can't I do all these things? He's like, well, you can, (laughs) but you also have to be realistic. Um, And it's just becoming very clear that like, Tania is really, like, her future is really reliant on Sinjin or whatever partner she does to, like, execute whatever bird brain ideas that she has going on in her head. Um, She has a lot of plans, but I think the execution is where it comes into play, and we see it glaringly in the latest episode. So they leave New York to go back to Connecticut, And they are going back to, so basically in order to make ends meet and in order for Sinjin, you know, for Tanya to be able to afford Sinjin to come over, she had to like give up her place. And so Tanya and Sinjin are going to be moving into her mother's like backyard she shed, basically. Sinjin tells us that he has no idea what a shed is. (laughs) He's like, I've been kind of like walking around in the African bush, um, you know, I walk around with my shoes out, you know, with no shoes on. It's like, so when she said shed, I like had no idea what that was. It's like, do you keep cars in there? Do you keep tools in there? Like what, what is a shed? It's like, so he's just kind of going into this, not really knowing what this is. Now we also find out that, okay, well, Tanya says, I always have a plan, but I'm a procrastinator. And this is where we find out that Tanya lied to Sinjin and she had previously told him that the shed was completely done and just ready for him to move in. And we get in there and it's basically just like an episode of hoarders, like not the first episode or the first few minutes where we find out, you know, where you see like the bugs and stuff, but like after they've convinced the hoarder to clean their house, it's like the end of the first day. So like, you can kind of see the carpet, but it's like, there's just still a lot of like nonsense happening. And what she calls a shed chalet, (laughs) I think the world would refer to as a room with a full size bed covered in paint cans and an old microwave oven that hadn't been cleaned. So, you know, Sinjin's annoyed and I would be too. Like imagine flying halfway across the world and somebody telling you that they have a place. And then when you walk in, it's nobody's version of finished. 
And she says, well, we have to have this done in two days. And you know that she means we, she means him. So she's like, well, I want you to build a kitchen sink. I want, or I'm asking you rather like, you know, she's, (laughs) she's so annoying. And so Simpson kind of, he's, he's very nice slash passive aggressive about it. Like, Oh, I wasn't realizing this was going to have a lot of work done. You could tell that he's like really annoyed, but like is trying to keep cool and just like, okay, well, (laughs) okay, thanks. And so it's like at some point in the day and he's like, you know, I think it's just like the best thing for me is if we just go ahead and get a good night's rest, we can sleep on your mom's sleep couch and we'll start this in the morning. And she's like, well, I just thought that we would like just bang it out through all the whole night and like just be working through the night. And she gets like annoying. It's like, well, nobody signed up for that girl. <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing any of this. So at least give him a night, you know? And she was like, well, you know, we could have at least slept in the shed that night. Like I could push some things over. Like, yeah, you could have, but like then you would just be sleeping. She's so freaking weird. Okay. So then she gets really mad. And yeah, the next day they're trying to take down a, um, like a, a cabinet. So we also find out that, um, Tanya's mom is a union carpenter. So she's got these tools and they're using her tools to take this cabinet down. Sinjin doesn't even get, he barely moves his arm to get, to put the power tool onto the nail to unscrew it before she's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What do you think he's doing? He's doing exactly what you just asked him to do. You put the power tool in his hand. You told him to do this. And now that he's actually doing it, you're like yelling at him. She's like, I just want to make sure you're doing it right. My parents, you know, this is my mom's tools. I don't want you to break anything. I don't want you to break that. I don't want you to do it the right way. And so, so it doesn't like fall off the cabinet. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it crisscross. That way the tools, you know, the nails aren't, you know, there's not like one part that is too heavy and it falls off. He said, and when I'm ready for you, you can hold it. So she flips out and she's like, I just don't trust you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, well, if you want things done your way, And I get this too, like, I'm a lazy person, but I also want things, I don't trust other people to do it. So you know what I do? I just do it myself. That way, I'm not like up in people's faces, getting upset with them when I ask them to do, when they do the thing that I ask them to do. That's why you just do things on your own, you crazy monster. And don't lie. (laughs) Like, keep in mind, he's also doing a bunch of things that he had no intention of doing in the first place. And you're acting like an absolute nightmare. I mean, her behavior was unbelievable to me. She keeps trying to push this narrative that like Sinjin is this like totally wild guy from the jungle who like just like flying by the seat of his pants. And he's just like this 'er ne'er-do-well and she needs to tame him. But like, and he's, he even says it, like he goes into a talking head and says, like, I understand that like, maybe I don't do things or I don't do everything the like the most proper way, just like, but you just have to let me do it. 
and it'll get done. <laughs> you know, like we might not have the same method, the same path, but we're all getting to the end at the, in the same way. And yeah, like she keeps trying to push this narrative of like Sinjin being this like irresponsible dude, but the only person that I'm seeing being irresponsible is her. And I think that like maybe also what happened is a little bit of deception and misleading on her end. Like when she was in South Africa, she was probably like carefree, you know, whatever party girl and like, but also probably presented herself to be like this really put together, you know, like a really well-rounded girl who could like go out and party and be really cool, but also like had all these political ideas and like all these like great ideas and wanted to execute them. And she probably did a really good job of talking a good game but now we're seeing like the real Tanya who's like, you know, standing in the middle of her mom's she shed yelling about how everybody else is failing. So let's think about that. I cannot take this woman anymore. She's truly like everybody seems to be hating Annie this season, but I think Tanya is by far the worst. <laughs> Let me know what you guys think. <laughs> 